Hey there, this is Hannah McGee, and welcome to the iHeart2C podcast. Join my husband, John, and me as we talk about all the happenings in our favorite place, Canyon County. We'll be highlighting businesses, organizations, and just plain old people that make this such a great place to live. If you're tired of all the negative on the news and social media and need some inspiration, you have come to the right place. Canyon County is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. It's a great place to live, and it's where we're raising our family. We're going to take a few minutes each week to talk about the place we call home, the good folks, and the great happenings going on in Caldwell, Nampa, and beyond. So join us here at the iHeart2C podcast. All right. Thanks again for joining us for another uh, episode of iHeart2C. We are in the holiday season right now, and um, we have been talking to nonprofits of how, how our community can be supportive. But we also know this can be a very difficult time of year for a lot of people, a lot of hurt, a lot of loss. And so we wanted to, John and I thought it would be a great idea to bring in a wonderful friend of ours who has helped us through a lot of ups and downs in our marriage and in our life uh, with family and all the things. So we wanted to bring in a special guest. uh, His name is Ken Curtis. And um, we wanted to talk to you guys about how how we can get through the holidays when it's when it's not easy. Um, So welcome, Ken. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, We're so glad to have you here. Since they already know you and they don't know me, I'll give you a little bit of a sketch. (laughs) Yes, please. My first career was in the United States Air Force, 23 and a half years. My last assignment was out at Mountain Home Air Force Base. I was uh, a paralegal in the Air Force. And part of that job as being a paralegal was to uh, help with prosecution of cases. So one of my last cases was a fellow who went to our church and he lost his temper with a two-year-old son and hit him so hard he killed him. Mm. And uh, I knew the family, and so it was really a difficult case for me to be on the prosecution wow. side. I knew what was going to happen. The mother in the trial brought pictures of when the accused was only about two years old, and his dad lost his temper, threw him so hard his head went through a wall. Oh she had gosh. taken pictures of it and wow. showed the court saying, look, we've had a problem with anger in our life. Hmm. And so that was, the, that was the inspiration I needed to change careers. Hmm. I like to tell people for the first 23 years, I helped put bad men in prison. And then I went to BSU, got my social work degree, and my first counseling job was in the hole at the maximum security prison here in Boise. When I got that job, my wife said, that's the perfect place for you to be because you can't <laughs> screw anybody up. Oh, gosh. There's, there's as bad in life as they can be, so mm-hmm. that's a safe place for you. Uh, in my, uh, So I did that for 10 years. And there was such a, uh, such a horrible stories of these guys with bad family life. Mm. Uh, one of them, for example, he only remembers walking around about three years old in a carnival. His parents had just dropped him off there. Goodness. He doesn't know who, he could, who his parents are. He doesn't know who his family is. He just got then put through the system and mm. ends up in a maximum security prison. So I went back to NNU and there in uh, uh, Nampa and got my master's degree in marriage and family counseling. So for 23 years, I put men in prison. For 10 years, I helped them get out, and mm-hmm. I finally got it. And I'm trying to help people stay together so that people don't go to prison. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> You've gone full circle then. <laughs> wow. When you was talking about this uh, uh, time of year that can be kind of cruddy for a lot of people, mm-hmm. 
when I was in the military, I had a job that I didn't like, and that was the law librarian. And so as sort of a spoof on that, I made myself a Murphy's Law Book library. Had four books in it. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes in that Murphy's Law Book library was that 90% of life is crud. Mm. And then O'Toole made a corollary to that that said he was an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so good. There's a lot of there's a lot of cruddy stuff in life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of negative things. But there's a whole bunch of stuff. So even if 90% of it is crud, there's 10% that you can wallow in. And you can avoid that 90%. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is, that is what the basic advice I would give to people is saying, I have the ability to choose to look at the good things. Yeah. The problem at this time of year, I believe, is that it, we are now faced with loss. Mm-hmm. We wish that somebody was there for Christmas that's yeah. not. Yeah. We wish we had something mm-hmm. to, yes. uh, that we don't get. Yeah. And so that brings up the negative feeling of grief and loss. All these negative feelings are so uh, associated with each other. Yeah. It's easy to go from grief and loss to depression. And then from there, I have two brothers that are dead of self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Mm-hmm. And that was a, another reason why I wanted to get into the counseling career field. And so that can lead to that because of some of the uh, grief and loss that a person then goes through, and then that turns into other negative emotions. So I believe that one of the things I just love about this kind of this, this time of life is good mental health is no longer in a closet thing. Yeah, it's true. Good mental health. If, if I now go to see a counselor, I don't have to keep that hidden so mm-hmm. much as I did, you know, t- even 10 years ago. You know, people recognize that good mental health takes effort, and there are people out there to help others with good mental health, and it's not a stigma anymore. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a really good thing, that I can uh, improve my mental health. So good mental health is staying mostly in the positive emotions and briefly in the negative ones and using them for what they're, for what they're designed for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to ask about, about that. And, you know, we're, it's almost like we have this double whammy situation right now where, you know, people are going to be at home for the holidays and they'll be grieving a loss as you're talking about Ken. And then I think, and then I think you add on top of that um, issues surrounding COVID such as being isolated and being at home and not being around people that you might normally be used to. I, I'll just tell you anecdotally, you know, as I'm driving down the freeway or um, interacting with people, there seems like there's a lot more frustration and anger out there. And so you kind of, you know, you combine that with what you talked about, about grieving at home during the holidays. What, I mean, how are people possibly, how can they cope with all of these things that are going on? Hey, so I, when I was, when I was getting my master's degree, one of the things that troubled me was they tried to make a professional out of me. Hmm. Now, in order to do that, they were expecting me to consider myself a cut above the rest of the people, Hmm. that I'm a professional and I'm here. And that gulf is not good when I'm trying to help somebody. Here I am. And so I had to dummy this stuff down, not just for my clients and for people I'm trying to help, but for myself. So I have to use visual type things Mm -hmm. for myself so I can understand this. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that emotions in general are very difficult to grasp 
and to talk about and to actually identify. We as a human species, we write movies, we do poems, we do music, all of that to get in touch with emotional feelings. Mm. You can go to a movie and you can get on a roller coaster of emotions from being scared half to death to you know love and joy. And so all of these n- emotions are hard to actually define. However, I believe that the difference between a positive emotion and a negative emotion is extremely easy to identify. Mm-hmm. Positive emotion is a feeling that I have that if I stayed in that feeling the rest of my life, life is good. A negative emotion is any feeling I have that if I'm in that emotion, life is bad. Mm-hmm. And so those two things are very, very clear to me. Now, what is the good of a negative emotion? Why are they here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a person that believes in a, uh, uh, a herd mentality, if it was bad for the herd, it would have been bred out of the herd a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it must have some valuable function. Now, I believe that valuable function best be described as it's a fire alarm. If a fire alarm were to go off right now in this building where we're sitting all nice and comfy, it would be annoying. It would be a bad experience. Mm-hmm. We would want it to stop. Yeah. And so what good is it? What good is a fire alarm? Well, it notifies us that there's a potential catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's good. And I believe the same thing happens with negative emotions. Mm-hmm. The negative emotion is something that is a, a warning that perhaps you're about to experience a catastrophe. Mm. When I'm dealing with clients, I often say, so how many times have you heard a smoke alarm or a fire alarm go off in your life? Usually it's hundreds. Then I ask them, how many disasters have they been in? Mm. Zero. Right. Yeah. That's because fire alarms are not a good predictor of a catastrophe. Just like a negative emotion is not a good predictor of a catastrophe. It's just for me to be aware that there's a potential one there and for me to take appropriate actions to minimize a loss and to make sure the catastrophe doesn't happen. Hmm. So we've mentioned grief and loss. Let's talk about that negative emotion. So uh, probably one of the biggest losses I've ever suffered is my mom. Hmm. This is a bad time of year to think about that because it brings up negative emotions because I wish she was here. But if I do the right thing with my grief and loss, I ask myself, from the day I was born to the day my mom died, is any of the goodness that she put in my life gone? Hmm. No. I have 100% of whatever goodness my mom gave to me is still there. It's good. Now, from the day she died until today, is all of that lost? No. 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 The only part that's lost is what goodness she would have added to my life had she lived longer. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that the grief and loss is the potential catastrophe. It's warning me, Ken, there's a potential catastrophe here that you will lose more than you should because you've lost your mom. Sure. And so what do I do? I write down stories of my mom. I take out photographs of my mom. I do all those things that make sure that I don't have a bigger loss than I've already suffered because my mom died. Mm -hmm. So that is, to me, the way you deal with negative emotions, is you go, well, what is the potential catastrophe? The potential catastrophe for grief and loss is that I will not 
cherish, and I will not make sure that it's a super good part of my life, what good that person or thing added to me. Mm-hmm. That's the catastrophe that's a potential. John. Yeah, no, I just, I think that's spot on. I know we lost my dad a couple of years ago, and especially this time of year is when things, you know, you really start missing him and you really want him to be around. And I force myself, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I change my thinking on it and literally to say, what a great 46 years I had being around my dad. Yeah. Now what a you, blessing that is. That's right? great. Notice that when you first started talking about your dad and the loss, and when I first started talking about my mom, there was a sadness yes. of that. Right. Now, John, tell me one of your favorite memories of your dad. Oh, um, there's so many. I would say the thing I think about the most often and the behavior that my dad had um, that I try to emulate the most is um, he was always at our activities, whether it be our baseball games or our football games or whatever the case may be. My mom or dad was at every single one of them. And so Hannah will tell you, I don't miss any of our kids' mm-hmm. ball games for anything. I'll skip. I'll skip meetings. I'll I'll be late for things, but I'm not going to miss my kids' ball games. And that's what I remember about my dad so much is he never missed a game. And you see, the delight for me was as soon as I asked you to tell me a, yeah. your fa- a favorite thing about, I got a big smile. The whole emotion shifted from that sadness because he's mm-hmm. lost right. to an actual smile and a whole mood shift. The whole mood shift happens as soon as you tell me. Now, I didn't create that story. All I did was ask you mm. to tell me about it. Yeah. And so that is how you deal with the grief and loss. That whenever you feel this sadness, the first thing you have to do in my view is, is that you have to acknowledge that I'm sad that my mom isn't here. Mm-hmm. I can't stuff that emotion. I can't say, oh, well, I'm not really that sad. Sure. No, because these emotions, these negative emotions are, are more powerful than that. They will not be ignored just as a fire alarm would not be ignored if it went off in here. We would be compelled to do something about it. It's the same way with our negative emotions. And so I acknowledge that I'm sad that I lost my mom. And then I go, is there anything that I can do to make sure that I don't suffer a catastrophe? Yeah, there is. I can tell somebody, I can, I can even tell it now into some electronic form, mm-hmm. a favorite story of my mom. And as soon as I do that, the emotion will shift. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. And I know I heard um, that there was a study done where um, that you cannot be grateful and have anxiety at the same time mentally. You can't think of both at the same time. And so, you know, like you said, is finding the joy, finding the story that you can share about. But also, you know, I, I, I think of just myself when I'm in down in the dumps or whatever, but when I find things to be grateful for and thankful, you know, that my health and I have my family with me and you, you, that anxiety or that depression or that sadness tends to go away because you're, like you said, you're elevating that 10% of the good in our lives above all the 90% of, you know, the miserable things. And it's, and it's so true. And so can you talk about a little bit more, maybe more about that, if that's if that's something you see as well, helping with sadness around this time too? I believe that, that what you've hit on there is a really fundamental key of good mental health. It's really impossible for me to be 
full of joy and hatred at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really matter on these emotions, which one I have, whatever one is there is going to push the others away. Mm -hmm. And so you're the one that gets to choose whether or not you're going to do things that are going to, uh, to encourage a positive emotion or not. And that's up, and that's up to you. The, many times the problems with these negative emotions and people who suffer for, from chronic depression, mm -hmm. if that, what the, what's happened is, is that that depression is such a powerful negative emotion that it cuts a neural pathway so deep wow. that it's very difficult for a person to get out of it. Yeah. And so talk therapy, medications, and all that will help them mm -hmm. get out of that. And so it's a very difficult thing because it cuts so deep. Mm -hmm. And so I get to choose, I get to choose which neural pathways I cut. Even though I'm inclined to get into those ones that are very powerful and that they've cut negative before, mm -hmm. I can still choose a different path. Mm. And, and, and there's help out there, especially for things like depression. There's help out there for both talk therapy and medication. And the statistics are really cool about that. Talk therapy on its own gets the same rate of success as medication on its own. Hmm. They're, they're equal. But when you combine them, that's where you get the best bang wow. for your buck. Sure. So if you do have these mental health issues, then I would you know, I strongly suggest that you get the help. Mm -hmm. There is help out there that, that, uh, that you can be at, that can mm -hmm. be had. Yeah. yeah, there really is. Uh, there's all kinds of resources on the internet about, you know, people that you can call or counseling services that you can call. And, you know, so much of it, as you know, Ken is, is free. Yeah. Some of it you have to pay a counselor and, and, and that, but boy, certainly for initial, um, responses and initial help, there's so much free help out there. And what I would suggest also, you know, one of the things when I, when I got my master's degree, I was 60. And so mm -hmm. I was older than the professors. And so I, that was such a cool, I wish I was older than all of my teachers in high school. That would have mm -hmm. been, a, <laughs> that would have been a whole yeah. different experience. But one of the things that was a real, real fascinating part was they exposed us to a whole bunch of different theories. And those theories went all the way from one theory that said, you never make any suggestion to the, your client about how they help, you just reflect back to them. They've named a theory after that. And then there was on the upper side of that, there's solution focused where all you do is explore solutions to the person's problems. And then after they exposed me to all of these, they said I had to choose one. Mm. I said, I don't care. Just tell me which one works the best. And they said, well, they all work the same. Mm. How can that be? How can it be wow. that they can be such different approaches to mental health? Now, I believe that the reason that is, is because the way to choose good, wholesome, balanced things in your life are probably limitless. Mm -hmm. So if you need help, then search around until something clicks with you. I mean, the clients that, that I have had, I, I've told them, I said, look, if I'm not your cup of tea, it's okay. I won't be offended because there's all kinds of different approaches out there and those might work better for you. Yeah. So I would really suggest that, that if you do have it and your first attempt to have contact isn't a positive one and it doesn't work, just say, oh, that's because I haven't found the right mm -hmm. groove for me. Not yeah. because that isn't an appropriate thing. It's that you want to find somebody that or some approach on the Internet or wherever it is in self-help books that you can go, oh, that fits me and that will help me with my mental health. Mm -hmm. That's really good. What, can talk a little bit about 
you know, we, I think for those, we may know a friend or a family member that we can identify that is going through some trouble, especially in the holiday time, right? You can just tell it by their mood, by their disposition, by their body language that they are struggling right now. So what are some, what are some ways that we, and what are some ways we can encourage friends and family to, to see, to seek some help? You know, it's sometimes it's awkward, you know, when you're, if it's a good friend of yours or it's a family member to go up and say, Hey, you really need to see a counselor, (laughs) right? There's some awkwardness to that. What are, what are some ways that we can break through that ice and, and maybe be more subtle or more caring or more empathetic in order to encourage them to take a step? I would, I would suggest, I would suggest that you look at it just like you would any other type of thing if a person needs help. For example, I, I know that when I'm working on a project that I usually don't want to have interruptions. <laughs> I don't want somebody coming in and telling me that there's a better way to pound a nail than the way mm-hmm. I'm doing it. <laughs> that, I, that's just, I believe that that is a natural way, whether it's a mental health seeing I'm struggling with or building a shed or, you know, working on a car, I'm usually not really open to somebody barging in on my life and telling me I'm doing it wrong Mm -hmm. or I need their help. Yeah. So I believe that the approach to that, I mean, if I saw somebody that was working on a project, in fact, the other day I had a, a, a teenager that had taken apart a gun and he was putting it back together, mm. and and straight away I could see that he was putting one part in back to front. Mm. It wasn't going to get, get together until he changed that one piece around. Well, I was I I just watched and I watched, and then I t- told him about times when I struggled with something like that, mm. and how I solved it, and I said, you know, one of the things that you know, I've found is sometimes the parts look so similar that maybe they need to be turned around. Sure. Now, I would suggest that that's the same kind of thing that you would do to approach somebody that you can see is struggling with a mental health issue, is if you can approach him from the standpoint that says, look, man, I'm watching you do this, and it kind of puts a smile on my face because remember, I was struggling with stuff like that, and then share with them how you then solved a mental health issue yeah and especially especially you guys i mean i i've had the privilege of (laughs) walking beside you as you guys have come out Mm -hmm. of some negative stuff in your life yeah so you have a you have a huge amount to draw on to say wow one time i was in a similar position that you were at let me talk to you about mine right and then see if that opens yeah that's really good i think that's really great practical advice to you know to approach it sometimes i think you you know, you get, you just say, oh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to approach him about this. I don't know the right way to handle this, but man, when you can reach back to your own, um, your own experience and say, you know, I was, I was once like you, I was, I once, I was once sitting there thinking, you know, how am I going to get through this? That's a great practical advice. And I love to how just the reality of it too, is, is finding that commonality saying, Hey, I, I can see you're going through something that actually I've been through or I understand. And, um, you know, like you said, just having that empathy and, and that connection can really help. And, and we have been able to thankfully help, um, some couples and rec them, recommend them to you. And, 
I know some, like you said, you're not for everybody and I'm so grateful you've been for us. <laughs> and I love how you just, you find that common ground with, with us. And we feel like, you know, you are a friend and you're not just someone above telling us what to do, but um, you are there on, you know, the same plane level with us and can relate to us. And that's, that's why we, we trust you and feel so comfortable with you and, and consider you a friend besides a mentor too. Thank you. I'm honored. One of the things that goes around in the same kind of thing is one of the most powerful things I think there is in good mental health is to normalize mm-hmm. what other people would say, gosh, you are way whacked out there. Oh, that's good. You know, I, I have not found anyone that is that has done such you know, bad mental health that it's nothing more than an exaggeration of what's normal. Mm-hmm. You are normal. The only difference is, is you've exaggerated something. But one of the most extreme cases I had is I had a client who had a multiple personality disorder. Hmm. Now, before I actually met this client, I was skeptical that such a thing existed. Hmm. I'd watched the movie Sybil. I'd watched, I'd read the book. I'm going, eh, I don't think so. Then I watched this, you know, 55-year-old person turn into a teenager because of a sound that went off. I'm now a believer. Wow. Now, my at the same time that happened that I had got this client, I was still, in fact, I was just still an intern at uh, NNU. But some of the studies show that, uh, I mean, what come, what come about is I had couples that got angry at each other, and then I would ask them what they got angry about, and they couldn't remember. <laughs> and so I asked my professor, how come? He says, the studies show that if you want to retain the memory and come back, the memory retrieved, you have to be in the same emotional set you were in mm. when you laid down the memory. And so what you mean is all I have to do is tick off my clients and then they'll be able to t- tell me <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what happened when they were ticked off. And he says, that's the theory, but don't be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. And so I then told the client with a multiple personality, I says, look, all you've done is, is exaggerated that normal condition in all of us. You've now taken that, which is normal, that I can only remember things if I'm in that emotional state, and you've just exaggerated. And this person had seen psychiatrists three times a week in Chicago for years and years to try to blend the personalities back together. And my approach was saying, you, they don't, there, isn't a, there isn't that. All you are is making an exaggeration of your emotions that all of us experience. Mm. All of us have that, not just you. You are not unique in that. And that's been my experience, even in the real extreme cases like that one. Nothing is other than just a exaggeration of a condition that all of us are in. Mm. So you are normal. I'm normal. Sometimes I exaggerate some of the things that are going wrong in my life, and I need to find a balance to that. Uh, but you are you are just as normal as everybody else, mm. just that you've exaggerated something. Sure. I love but, that perspective. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that makes a lot of sense. I, as, you were, as you were talking about that, it made me think, you know, our discussion so far has been about, you know, so the negative emotions that come with loneliness or, or missing or yearning during this uh, these holiday times. But... You know, one of the magical things about Christmas is that it also brings on a lot of positive emotions and a lot of reminders, especially for those of us who are believers like you and, and Hannah and me. It can be 
powerful positive, right? Not every interaction is going to be a Hallmark movie, but this feeling of Christmas and joy and celebration, that can also be something we can focus on. Right. And there's all kinds of things out there now, even from the standpoint, even, I mean, I sometimes get a big kick out of just watching uh, bell ringers at the store. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some of them that are get, yes. should get an Olympic gold medal <laughs> for the yeah. way they ring the get bell the, yeah. on yeah. that. And so there is things like that. There's concerts going on. You know, there's concerts to go to. Lights. And I believe that it's extremely difficult to go to these things without experiencing the positive emotions that are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? and, and, and there is... There is so much to be had with actually giving and being appreciative because it's very difficult to give something mm-hmm. and see the reaction of the person that you're giving that to without it shifting your emotions to a positive one. Yep. Right. Definitely. So, you know, there's, you know, there, you ought to be on your own quest to boldly go where you've never gone before mm. and go out there and experience some of that 10%. Yeah. Because it's there. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of space in between it. Mm-hmm. But there is some really wonderful nuggets of joy out there. Yeah, maybe it's a Christmas song or, as you say, maybe you see a bell ringer or something like that that triggers, you know, these positive emotions. And and like you said, so I, I'm I'm actually one of the worst at this. I love receiving gifts, right? <laughs> and so I often focus on heart receiving gifts. But, man, just changing your whole focus and your whole attitude about things is can sometimes just be giving. Mm-hmm. It is, and if you're the type of person that just likes to receive gifts, well, then give yourself one. <laughs> Wrap it up. He's good at that. <laughs> and you see, and I say that, and and you're laughing. Yeah. But, you know, I've actually done that before. Mm-hmm. You know, when I finally realized I was a hard person to buy a gift for, there's been times where I've bought my own gifts. And He's really know, good at and, that. Oh, look, yeah. you know, I'm getting an old enough now <laughs> that if I leave it there for a month, I even forgot what it was. <laughs> yeah. right now, there's even the joy of, oh, wasn't yeah. I clever to, <laughs> to right. buy that for me? Mm-hmm. So, there are, you know, it's, to me, it's endless ways to find joy and put joy in the Christmas spirit or in your life. Yeah, and I think too, Ken, and maybe you can speak to this as well. Is it's a it's a great time for families to gain some perspective, as you know, Hannah and I are we're the parents of a thirteen year old and eleven year old, and you know we're blessed that we're able to provide lots of different things for them with their activities or you know things that they may want, and and so we're you know we're blessed, but as this can also be a great way to teach your family or to Mm -hmm. teach your children um, about empathy and about giving and about those topics. And it can be all over. I remember one of the things that we did in England, there was this place we'd walk past and take the kids to school. And whoever had the house just had this really wonderful garden. And it was just a pleasure to view every time we went past it. So that next Christmas season, you know, for uh, we got little gifts from the, from the garden shop of seeds and stuff mm. like that. And so the kids, you know, got to have this joy of being anonymous and giving joy to others and those type of things. So there are all kinds of ways for you to, you know, experience a Christmas season that's positive and uplifting. Mm-hmm. And especially when I think about things like my mom, you know, that what she did. And I go, well, she did that. And she, she would be, if she's looking down at me, 
she'll be pleased that I do and fill in the blank mm-hmm. and go do those. Yeah. Because those are the things that then will go when I think of my mom, I think, well, she's, you know, she's smiling that I'm doing something that she would approve of. Yeah. Yeah. Or do something that, yeah, I, I really like that. Do something in, in honor, honor of yeah. them, right? Whatever activity it was that your mom may have loved or whatever um, charity or, you know, that my dad mm-hmm. may have loved. What a great way to get back to that 10% mm-hmm. by honoring that by making a donation to the rescue mission or taking the kids to go volunteer at, you know, some activity. What a, what a great way to honor that person that you're missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. See how just by the three of us talking about it and getting creative about what we can do. And our focus now has been to say, well, what can mm-hmm. I do to get into the joyous part of this Christmas season? Yeah. Cause there's a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. And so that's great. Get creative. Yeah. Go do it. And, you know, just go do it. Yeah. yeah. This has been such a great chat and the conversation. I don't think I've ever had a bad conversation, really. Like, you definitely bring such a great perspective. And that's what I love, too, is I think what we're, I'm, I know we're trying to teach our kids is a lot of life is about perspective and how you choose to look at it. Um you know, and um, one person can look at a Christmas tree and think it's ugly, and another one can think it, look at it and think it's beautiful. And it is really about perspective and, and finding the joy in life. So I thank you so much for coming and helping us have a different perspective for holidays, especially for those who are suffering and, and really struggling through this holiday season um, to be able to look at it in a different way. Um, for those who might still need help or want to talk to you or someone else, what's the best way for our listeners to be able to get in contact with you? Okay. We will. Probably the best way is to send me an email okay. at ken6743 at hotmail.com. Okay. And I'll have that information on the notes too. And they can also call or text. I'm not too good at smoke signals, uh, <laughs> things like that. But okay. a text message or giving me a call. I, uh, I always respond. Uh, I have my own sweetheart that I'm still trying to woo. <laughs> so if I've got a date with her, uh, you may have to wait until the date's over, but I promise to get back to people. I don't, I don't let people hang. And I think that's so important. It's like we talked about a moment ago. It, if, uh, for our listeners out there, if you are experiencing something like this, there is, there's help out there and you just heard about it and you email Ken get get a hold of these notes afterwards there are people who can help you um, and there are people that can help you get out of this mindset and that's it, it can be done yep. yep yep well thank you so much have a Merry Christmas Ken and thank you all for listening today and um, we hope that you will also choose joy this holiday season but also reach out if you really need help Merry Christmas everybody thanks for joining us on the iheart 2c podcast. Do you know someone or something that we should highlight? Would you like to get the word out about your business? Send us a message at podcast at iheart2c.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at iheart2c. If you like the podcast and are listening on Apple, make sure to leave a review. Until next time, keep it local and keep supporting Canyon County.